interview leaders about how they're building brands and learn what it takes to do great brand marketing. As always, because it's Brandwagon, we have our live studio audience. Thanks for being here. And it looks like we have a representative of Macri's Deli and Cafe. I don't know what that is, but you made it on Brandwagon. Nice job. Uh, thanks for being here, crew. Question for you. Yes. Do we have a Brandwagon uh, segment today? Yeah, we got some updates. Okay. That's exciting. Can't wait for that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we have a great show for you today. I sat down recently with Veronica Parker Hahn, who's the head of growth and innovation at the EFI Awards. The EFI Awards are an organization that companies submit their marketing campaigns to, and the EFI Awards will actually evaluate and say these campaigns were truly effective. This is done for brand campaigns, performance campaigns, all different types of stuff. It's really interesting if you look at the winners of the EFI Award campaigns, because a lot of that stuff, it's brand stuff that you'd think is hard to measure, and they measure it. That's true. That's right, they measure it. <laughs> so we've been shooting, I think this is the fourth episode of Brandwagon, and we've been learning a lot about episodic series, what it takes, what you want to do to get the episodes flowing right, what type of gear we should be using, and so we want to do a quick Brandwagon salute uh, to a piece of gear that has really helped us. It's helped the episodes flow, it's helped keep the set quiet, um, and it's helped keep us on track, and that is the giant post-it note, everyone. Get a shot of that. So for years, we've been making videos at Wistia. We've made literally thousands of videos, but almost every single one has a script. And someone gets on script and they say their lines and do their things. Not here. Not today. Oh, no, there's no script. Uh, if we didn't have these outlines, I'd just keep going. I'd, I'd be here for an hour and a half. So the post-it note, it keeps us on track. Now, you might be wondering, this studio, where did it come from? It's in our office. That means people might walk in at any moment. Guess how we stop them? Giant post-it note. That's right. So that was the brand wagon salute to the giant post-it note. We hope you'll get some, too. And 3M, if you're out there, you know what to do. <laughs> so now it's time for us to jump into another segment of Building the Brand Wagon. Chris, can you hear me? Yeah. Adam's been looking for like custom shops for this car, and all of them are pretty expensive. Yeah. And also, I was thinking about it, like they're all gonna look kind of like too fancy, don't you think? Yeah, whiskey is fancy now. I mean, but like, you know, they're gonna open the trunk and it's gonna be like nicely upholstered and there's gonna be all these like rope LED lights and fancy speakers. Like, I don't know, that just doesn't feel right. Okay, yeah, I'm, yeah, okay. So, hear me out. I found, remember the Mad Max, the, the most recent Mad Max movie? Yeah, of course. Do you remember the scene where there's like the guy on the front of the truck and he's holding this like crazy guitar that shoots flames out of it? Yeah, 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 and then the, the car gets into a big accident and the guitar comes to the front of the frame. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, I forgot about that part. I found the guy that built that guitar. Okay. And Is he local? He lives in Roslindale. I feel like on one hand, this could be a very bad decision. On the other hand, it might be the best decision we ever make. I'm in, let's go. How on earth did you beat me here? What? <laughs> you right. good? I see another old cover. <laughs> hey, I'm Dan. How's it going, buddy? Thanks for having us. Yeah. How's it going, Chris? Chris, nice to meet you. What's up? We talked on the phone already. Yeah. Talked on the phone already. He said yeah. to just come by and see the studio would be better than. I feel like you want to see it. You're gonna be blown away. That's okay. awesome. I'm yeah. in. Let's do it. <laughs> 
Um, I guess the way to describe what we do is maybe found object sculpture. We take junk parts that had a purpose, they were only built to do one thing, and uh, totally change that whole intent and turn it into really great things. This is ridiculous. You know, in my head, all these pieces that are outside, that are just waiting, they're all screaming like, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. We want to be something different. You don't buy the most expensive car because then you can't soup it up. You buy the one that's a little bit lower and with all that extra money you save, you drop all that shit in to make it cooler because no one wants a stock vehicle. Yeah. So that's the guy. That's the, that's the guy. <laughs> no one wants a stock vehicle. <laughs> what? We don't want a stock 91 Volvo. That's exactly. Sure. Nope. <laughs> all right, I'm in. We're okay. in. What, awesome. What, what do we need to do? Okay, well, I need the car, I need uh, a wad of cash, and I need objects. I need as much video equipment, you know, imagine taking the whole production of a video shoot and putting it all in this car. That's what we gotta do. So we, I need stuff. I need as much stuff as you can. I need more options than you think that you even want. And then we can see and like figure out like, okay, this looks great here. This next to this looks great here. That thing in the back would be dope. I just, I think it's gonna be super cool. Well, luckily the guy holding the camera right now is very good with a credit card on eBay. <laughs> So, I think we're good. Perfect. Perfect. That's right. Perfect. Cool. So you're telling me I am now this close to someone who actually worked on Fury Road. Yes, Savage, you are that close. Michael uh, designed the guitar. You know what this thing actually played? You're talking about the flaming guitar? The flaming guitar. It the actually one that's played like at the too. front of the trucks and yes, stuff? Yes, yes. That's ridiculous. Uh, so we are just so excited to have found Michael. He's been uh, an artist uh, for 20 years in the Boston okay. area. Insanely talented. We got so excited and, and just were firing off awesome ideas when we were touring around his studio. That's so cool. I can't wait to see where that goes. Yep. So last time we checked in, the car was in your garage. Yes. With multiple flat tires. Yes. And also, it was unregistered. That's true. Because it turns out things are more complicated. That is true. So I'm excited to report that we have made huge progress on all of this. Okay. The flat tires were actually just slow leaks. Okay. So I've fixed that. Perfect. Pretty easy, just inflate Great. the tires. Mm -hmm. um, With like a hand pump like no, this? No, no, my dad's got an air compressor, <laughs> okay, okay. so I'm not living in the snow no ages here. No, no big deal. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, I actually didn't even mention this, but the window fell off the track okay. on its way back from Pennsylvania. So I took the door panel off, fixed that, that's ready to roll. Perfect. But I'd say one of the biggest accomplishments of my career at Wistia here is actually getting this thing registered. <laughs> so it is officially registered now. That's amazing, everybody. Awesome. We're yes. registered. Yes. We have a real car. Uh, big shout out to Gary. Gary, you're my guy. Gary. Gary, uh, Gary helped me out so much at the RMV. My second time there, I was like, there for three hours. But uh, we got this thing registered. We are pumped up. That's amazing. And so what's next? So what's next? Uh, I mean, Michael is tasking us to go find a bunch of old video gear, oh. which sounds like a dream come true, honestly. For you in particular. So I'm hitting eBay. I'm going to hit my uh, old studio and my dad's garage. I'm going to find some stuff to get into this brand wagon. Well, I cannot wait to see that. We'll be right back with the interview with Veronica Parker-Hahn right after this. So what's the agenda for this meeting? Uh, could I actually add something to the agenda? Just right at the end. Is, oh, is oh I have something to add as well. Uh, I'm having trouble opening uh, it. Yeah, it should just be online. All right. Dude, well, just click it right there. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm clicking. Can we get Phil on the Zoom? I think he's remote today. Oh, oh, there he is. Hi, Phil. Hey, Phil. Phil, can you hear us? We we no. can't. No, we can't hear you. No. It's yeah. No, it's not. Are you on mute? Maybe. Can you hear me now? Oh, there we go. Perfect. There we go. Awesome. Now that everybody's here, let's get started. Perfect. I'm very sorry. I'm actually double booked. Um, no worries. I think it'll be really great for everyone just to recap everything Ooh. before we jump on yeah. in. Where are the review materials? Yeah, I, think um, I actually have a hard stop at three. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I also have, have a hard stop at three too. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can we can be done with it. So I have this idea that I've been kind of working through and I would love to get your input on it. But can we can we uh, pull it up on the screen? Right Absolutely. Now? So oh, maybe, I think you have to do it on your computer. Do I have to like? Um, oh, oh, there we go. go. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. This is oh, awesome. Wow. I love this. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Jay, this is great work. Oh, this is really good. I just want to bring us back to the original goal. Like, what is the goal for the end user? How does this actually relate to mm -hmm. it? I know it's almost three. Mariah has a hard stop. I have a hard stop. I'm actually in this room at three, so I'm also. Uh, I thought I was in the blue room, but let me check. <laughs> I have a meeting in the green room. Oh no, I'm here too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, let's see. Oh, this is the stand up, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, the stand up. I'm already sharing my screen. I have the agenda, so we'll Great. just we'll roll uh, right into yeah. it. Is Phil in this one? <laughs> Getting to sit down with Veronica was very exciting. She's the first guest that we've had on Brandwagon from the agency world. And there, she worked with some of the world's biggest brands and some of their most exciting campaigns. She jumped into a small startup that had not even launched, helped them build their brand and scale, and they've been wildly successful based on the values and the approach that she put into place. It's a pretty good interview for you today. Let's roll that thing. Veronica, welcome to Brandwagon. I'm happy to be here. Super excited that you're here. <laughs> I know you started working with agencies. And you were there for a while. Like, tell me about what that experience was like. What types of clients did you work with? Yeah, yeah. I've had a pretty diverse career. I started out on the ad agency side, and I was an account manager, an account okay. person, which has nothing to do with money. I mean, it kind of does, but I wasn't an accountant or anything like that. My role was um, focused on growing my client's business. So my job was to kind of get in, in bed with the client, understand how their business operated, what their growth opportunities were, um, you know, who their consumers were, um, and turn that understanding into a strategy to help them build their business. Okay. And I would bring that strategy back to the agency um, and then kind of work with the team to create creative ideas, creative solutions for that business. And these are big companies, right? Yeah, I, I did. I worked for State Farm Insurance, um, M&M's Candy, um, Reebok, DirecTV, Procter & Gamble. I did okay. some marketing for their pharmaceutical cool. brands. So big Big billion dollar brands. I, I think the experience you've had here is unique. And I remember being in college dreaming of working on creative campaigns for super large companies. Yeah. And then you had that experience for like 15 years, yeah. right? Yeah. How do you think that's influenced your marketing instincts? So I, I was the same way. Like when I was in college, I was an anthropology major in college. Okay. So I had no pre-professional marketing experience at all. Um, but I remember like paying attention to ads. Um, and having favorite campaigns and trying to like figure out, well, how do they operate and why do they, why is it, you know, proposed this way? Why is it run in these certain places? Um, then to get into the industry and to realize like, it's not just about creativity. It's about um, strategic rigor behind it. It's about understanding your category. Like who are you competing with? Where do you stand in that category? Um, figuring out like what unique offering this product, your product gives to the consumer, and then who is your consumer? 
Yeah. And then comes the sort of execution based on those those points, and then comes measurement. So I just I don't think I realized the depth of work it took to really build these strong campaigns. So being in the industry um, made me very thoughtful, made me rigorous in my approach to strategy, um, and it just kind of opened my eyes to like the plethora of challenges out there. Um, and how do you kind of you know address all those challenges? And it seems like also you, from the very beginning of your career, you're seeing you can build a brand, and you can reshape a brand, and you can make a brand a challenger or what have you. But it actually is not a fluffy thing. It's not something that's just oh I, I hope we have a good brand today. It's like no, it's actually very strategic. There's yeah. a plan. There's a strategy. There's the, you know, understand the category, understand the competitors, all those types of things, understand probably the brand values you want people to feel. Yeah. And then putting that all together and then actually measuring that. I mean, you've actually seen that work at the larger scale. It's not fluffy at all. Um, you know, everyone thinks they're creative and everyone has a creative bone in their body, but cr- creative marketing that really works, there's a whole long process that goes into that. It's so interesting too, because I think uh, in, in the startup land, there's this understanding, I think, that's starting to happen, which is it's not just about performance marketing, but you actually have to build a brand. Like yeah. You have to build something that sticks around and that people care about yeah. and they're going to stick with, but there's all this fear because people don't know. It, it, it's not Brand building is not seen as um, something that you can take a rigorous approach to. Yeah, and, and you absolutely can. It's interesting. I feel like the startup world and the agency established marketing world just talk past each yeah, other because no, totally. like, they've got like, <laughs> skills that help each other. Um, but you know, I, I understand, because I've been there, I understand the challenge of being in a startup and having to make every penny count. And so the, the focus on performance makes sense. Um, also, the world's changed since I started in marketing. So like, there are the tools out there to quantify every penny. But if you just build to get people in the door and you don't have a reason to keep them and you don't have a way to do that, you have a leaky bucket. They'll leave for the next cheapest thing in your category. Yeah. Um, Awareness is not enough. You need you need affinity too. Yeah, exactly. And even conversion is not enough. You're right. You need affinity. You need advocacy. You, you want those people to like love your brand and then tell their friends about it. And then it makes your dollars go so much further. But that takes work. You have to reinforce why they're there. And to reinforce that, you have to understand why they're there in the first place. It's yeah. not because you're the cheapest. It's You want it to be because you've made a connection with them. You mean something unique in their lives. You understand something about them. And this product helps them do that better. Yeah. It's also it's to build off the cheapest piece. I, so many people, I think, think they can be the cheapest. Yeah. But there's only one cheapest in every market. And if you're the cheapest one day and someone else becomes the cheapest the next, like you're done. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually not a very sustainable strategy, but people go to it, I think, because it, it seems logical if you don't have all the other pieces. Like if you're not thinking about building a brand, if you're not thinking about building a product that's a leader, yeah. then yeah, the going cheapest seems like an option, but it usually doesn't, it's not very sustainable. Yeah, and think about the iconic brands you love, like whatever brand you love, whether it's Apple, or right? wearing an Apple watch. You know, I have an Apple computer. Like, I didn't buy it because it's the cheapest. I bought it because it says something about me and fits my lifestyle. There's a functional thing people will tell you, oh, I bought this product because X, but there's something else behind it, Yeah. right? And, you know, in the work I do, I think the piece that often is missing, whether it's startups or, or, or bigger brands, um, is the insight, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
what it, again, what is it about your brand that you offer? Who's your consumer? Like the insight leads to a big idea that then you hopefully can communicate across all your marketing efforts and across your business. Like what your brand stands for should permeate everything you do so that every consumer touch point reinforces that. Yeah. And so that the story you tell up front is backed up by the experience. And again, that leads to advocacy and wanting to stay with that brand. So now you're at FE. Tell us a little bit about what FE is and what, it, and what you do there. Yeah, so FE is an organization that is focused on um, supporting um, uh, effective marketing globally. And historically, what we've been known as is a marketing effectiveness awards. So we're one of the most, we are the most rigorous platform out there that looks at, you know, are campaigns effective and why? And we award those companies all over the world. So not just someone had a pretty campaign or a funny campaign, but actually like, does this accomplish the goal yeah. that was set out and actually moved it? Yeah, literally what we say is like, did it work? Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is, did it work? So you have access to over 50 years of marketing effectiveness data. What has stayed the same and what is changing? The, um, the tools change, right? Like how you, know, how you get awareness out there and what you do, whether it's TV, radio, digital, whatever, like those those change and they will always change, right? Because, you know, products are always um, being innovated on and in how you use them. I think that the, I know the thing that has stayed the same is, you know, having a red thread across all of the core pieces you use to build a marketing initiative. Um, it's looking at the category and understanding the challenges and where your brand fits. It's looking at an insight about your brand and consumer and how they meet and then pulling a big idea out of that. Um, and then leading to execution and then measurement. All of those things for the most effective brands in the world, all those pieces have to connect to each other. And when they're disconnected, like they're not winning an FE and they're probably not making their, um, their goals. Um, but you know, whether it's Nike to Oscar to Peloton to MailChimp, like th those brands that have won FEs have shown this tight, story and connection between each of those pieces. It's funny you say that because as you're saying, I was imagining the wild campaigns that all of those companies have done. And I think it's so easy to miss that you could have a crazy MailChimp campaign or like a hyper-polished, super beautiful Peloton campaign, but there's a rigorous strategy behind it. Mm -hmm. And like when it's effective, there's a very rigorous strategy. They know who they're making that content for. They know why they're doing it. They know how they want people to feel. Um, and it comes across as, hopefully, you know, you're watching TV and an ad comes on and it makes you smile or it makes you sad mm -hmm. or whatever, and you have that reaction, but it's actually, if done properly, there's a rigorous strategy in the back. Yeah, there's a rigorous strategy that leads to, like, fantastic execution. So I don't want it to be like, oh, it's all words on paper. Like, that strategy has to lead to a campaign that is executed beautifully, how, however it's built, whether it's TV or it's a, you know, a pop-up on the street corner in Chinatown. Like, you know, it's the execution has to come out of that strong strategy. And then you have to measure it. Like, you have to have results. Yeah. And we've talked a bit earlier about um, brands and it seeming like soft and performance is so data-driven. All of those pieces are data-driven. Yeah. Um, all of those pieces have results. They're just measured in their own way. So you can measure awareness. You can measure conversion. You can measure retention. And you know, with, with Effie's process and looking at these cases over the past 50 years, we're looking at 
all of those pieces together. And where do you think things are headed? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think what's old is new and what's new is old. So, you know, you're really well aware of like the, the importance of like content, right? And, and driving advocacy and connection through like, you know, delivering really great content that like, you know, gets the consumer's attention. Content's always been part of the marketing story. It's just been done in different ways, right? Like way before you and I were even thought of, um, you know, the way brands would advertise is you had the talent from the TV show actually run the commercial break and they kind of incorporate your product into the story. Well, that was a content play. Um, In radio stories that were sponsored, that was a content play in some kind of way. We're just doing it differently now. The tools are different. The tools are different, but the the art of storytelling is still really important. And I think that that has gotten lost um, recently. Um, And I think the agency world is being challenged by that and brands are being challenged to try to figure out like the importance of creativity and content and storytelling. Um, But I think where we're going is we're going back to the importance of making connections with consumers, not just getting them in the door. I think we'll swing back to the importance of like creativity to make that connection. Um, And then one day we'll swing back over the other way when Mm -hmm. some other, you know, (laughs) when we have all implants in our heads and you can like read minds. The neural links are going, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll. You and I have an interview like this and no one can hear it, but they can, (laughs) but our thoughts are showing up. (laughs) It's very Star Trek. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, Actually, I'm terrified. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down, it's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, So I think, you know, the industry kind of reinvents itself over time. But the key is, it seems like, knowing the fundamentals yeah. and then reading where it's going yeah. and trying to get there. Yeah. And hey, you might read wrong. Yeah. But, you know, strong strategy will give you the space to, like, experiment um, and kind of make it all hang together. And, and that will help you get to really effective marketing, ultimately. But you may not hit it out of the park every time. Yeah. Um, you know, your cons- you might read your consumer wrong. They may change their minds. There might be a new tool, but um, giving your sp- yourself the space to experiment is really important too. How do you prep for that? Like, how do you make sure that um, you can survive not heading out of the park? Um, for me, at least, like w- what every brand, every brand, you know, any brand I've worked on, including um, you know the Effies, where I'm experimenting with new platforms, like. You know, I know I'm going to test this idea. We're going to run fast. We're going to try it. We're going to build out ways to measure it, um, understand what success looks like. So when we see it, we know it. And when we we didn't get there, we know that too. Um, And like, you know, building the expectation internally and for myself that I'm going to learn from whatever it is that I've worked towards. Um, And I'm also going to work my butt off to try to get there. Um, And I guess, I don't know, I'm just old enough now to know like, I wouldn't be me without some failures. Yeah. Um, and I think many of the brands that we love wouldn't be who they are without failure too. So I just, I don't know, I just, I think I've just had enough experience to say, if it doesn't work, I need to learn from why it didn't work. And in order to do that, I need to set up the way to measure, does it work or not? Yeah. So again, it's like, um, my husband is a uh, worked in um, advertising with me, and he's a creative. And so we would always say to each other, like, bad pre-pro, bad production, right? If you don't get the baseline work done and make sure it's tight, your end result will never get there. Um, and it's the same thing at the FEs. You get your strategy tight, your execution will come. Um, 
but that, that baseline work has to be done. So for, for me, it's, you know, doing that work. And if I think I've really like done all I can there, then we'll see if it works or not. Cool. Hopefully it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Veronica Parker Hahn, right? She's amazing. One of the things that really stood out to me from my interview with Veronica was how she kept bringing us back to the beginning. And she talked about how important it is to set up a strategy up front for your brand efforts. So when you go in and they're working, you know that, and then you can invest more and do more. We've learned over the years at Wistia in the early days, you know, we did brand stuff because we thought it was fun and we thought it was interesting, we thought it was cool. But one of the problems you run into when you're doing that is you don't really know what to do next. You might do one fun thing, and then do you just follow up with another fun thing? It can get confusing. Now today when we think about growing the company and growing our brand, we're pretty intentional. Um, this show, for example, we know what it's trying to do. We know that we're talking about brand. We know that we're trying to get people to spend time with us. And so if it's working, it's way easier to do more. So I encourage you, when you're thinking about how can you take the right brand risks, try to set up the strategy up front. Try to set up the goals up front. Because if you can, I think it's going to make it a lot easier for you when it actually works. That's our show, everyone. Thank you so much to Veronica. Thank you to the live studio audience. Thank you to the crew. And we'll see you next time. Next time on Brandwagon, U.S. champion runner and entrepreneur Lauren Fleshman stops by our studio. And we also head to the track to see if Chris Savage can keep up.